Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms of preteens, teens, and young adults. My mission is to first and foremost support and encourage you, mom, so that you can live well and reclaim your life. Two, this show will help you have the best possible relationships with your teens so that you can communicate, motivate, and guide them effectively and actually enjoy them. And third, I will bring you top-notch guests who will share the newest in adolescent research and trends so you can be prepared and aware of what your teens are facing today. Always you will leave each episode armed with practical parenting tips. Welcome back, everyone, to the 243rd episode of Power Your Parenting, Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. What parent is not struggling to get their teens off their phones or to get them to stop gaming? It's hard for most teens to switch from the online world back to the real world, which is evidenced by your teen getting angry with you every time you tell them to get off the phone or they have a fit when you take their phone away at night. But some teens even surpass the normal struggles and they really become addicted to gaming or social media and choose that over interacting in the real world. In this episode, we talk about the eight signs that your teens are at risk for technology addiction and how to break those digital chains. And we also talk about the four steps for parenting in the digital age. Michael Jacobus is an internationally renowned camp director and youth development specialist. With a passion for empowering young minds, he founded Reset Summer Camp to combat the challenges of screen addiction after witnessing its impact on his own family. As a parent who once dealt with a gaming-addicted child, Michael's journey makes him a relatable advocate. Reset Summer Camp offers an immersive clinical program on a university campus, blending a summer camp atmosphere with therapy to help participants detox and develop vital life skills. Michael and his dedicated team are on a mission to create a healthier, more balanced future for our youth. Welcome, Michael Jacobus. Thank you very much. So the first question that I ask all my guests is if you are a parent and if you are the ages of your kids. I am a parent. I have three grown kids and two stepkids. So the ages are 30, 28, 25, 17, and 15. Wow. So do you still have kids in the home? Yes, the teenagers are still at home. Okay. So you are the camp director for Reset Summer Camp. Tell me a little bit about the background story about how you got involved in that. Well, I've been a summer camp director all my life. For over 35 years, I've run summer camps. And they've mostly been traditional camps, you know, either church camps or YMCA camps, Boy Scout camps, things, things like that. Mm-hmm. And my oldest son, who's now 30, when he was a teenager, he became addicted to video games, specifically World of Warcraft. And his mother and I had to white knuckle him through middle school and high school, and there was really no help. There was no such program to send him to. And so we were just in a constant battle. Then several years later in 2018, when every kid in the country seemed to be addicted to Fortnite (laughs) and the World Health Organization declared gaming disorder as a diagnosable thing, I decided to combine my passion for summer camp with the therapeutic model and started Reset Summer Camp. So it is a a four-week digital detox and life skills program for teenagers. We chose four weeks because my clinicians use the phrase sweet spot. 
the first year we did it, we let the parents decide how long the kids would stay at camp. So we had some kids there for two weeks, some kids there for the full nine weeks, and kids were coming and going every weekend. It was kind of a mess. So after that, we decided on a four-week sweet spot. All the kids arrive at the same time. They do group and individual therapy you know, together on the same schedule, and they all leave at the same time so we can actually make a real difference. Okay, I have so many questions. That's very interesting to me. So how would someone know if their teens are addicted, addicted to gaming or addicted to phones or whatever? How would you know that? Well, there's a couple warning signs. I mean, obviously, if they start neglecting their own personal needs, their own personal habits, you know, most teenagers are sloppy, shall we say, but the addicted ones really take it to another level. They rarely come out of their room. The dirty dishes pile up, the dirty laundry piles up, the personal hygiene is not good. When they're not on their technology, they're preoccupied with the technology. They're always talking about games or leveling up or getting new skins or whatever it is that they're doing. With girls more than boys, they seem to be more addicted to social media than gaming, although we do see you know both. And girls are very obsessed with how many likes they get, what their personal appearance is. It seems their entire personal self-worth is tied to their how they present themselves on social media. In the camp format, I will ask the kids, how many of you have ever posted a photo of yourself and then taken it down within an hour because it didn't get enough likes? And almost without question, every girl raises their hand and usually half the boys, which was funny for me because, you know, when I post something on social media, it's because I like it. I really don't care if anybody else likes it. But to a teenage mindset, it's everything. So, you know, the ones that really have issues with it are the ones that are neglecting, like I said, their personal habits, they're neglecting school, they're neglecting sleep, they're neglecting family time, they're just glued to their devices and nothing else seems to matter as much. Yeah, I've seen in one situation where I would add to that is then your social life for the gaming is the people you game with and you consider those your best friends. Correct. And I'll ask this question at camp too. How many of you have online friends who you've never met in the real world? And everybody raises their hands all the time. And I'll tell parents, we finish the camp with a family workshop weekend. So at least one parent has to show up on Friday and spend the weekend and doesn't leave until Sunday. And during that family workshop, there's a family therapy session with one of our licensed clinicians. But I'll tell parents, it's not necessarily a bad thing that your kid has online friends that share the same interests that they do. But I will recommend Zoom call or a FaceTime call with that friend and that friend's parents. Just it can be two minutes, but just to sort of confirm that the person on the other end who says they're also a 13 year old boy is really who they say they are. Oh, that's really good tip. So what are some other signs? I know you said there's eight signs. There's a bunch of signs. We do produce something called the eight signs that your kid might be at risk for technology addiction. But another one is lying or keeping secrets, excessive spending. A lot of kids today have access to debit or visa cards. We had one kid that came to camp who had racked up over $13,000 of charges, first on his personal debit card, then his mother's credit card, then his grandmother's credit card, and then his best friend's mother's credit card. Oh my gosh. The lack of concept of money, because everything is transactional online, they don't actually touch the cash, is something that's lost on this current generation. And, you know, we have tons of kids who have come to camp with, you know, what I call virtual closets filled with Fortnite skins 
that they paid, you know, <laughs> $65.95 for that they'll never wear, you know, virtual stuff that doesn't exist in the real world, but their parents' credit card is out the money for that. Wow. You know, another thing we talk about is withdraw, especially when they're away from their devices or away from their technology. They're very depressed and withdrawn or they're showing signs of anxiety. They would rather sacrifice the real world relationships and salvage what we call the fake or the online relationships. So there's just a kind of an endless list of warning signs, but those are just a few. Mm -hmm. Do you know why some kids get addicted and others don't? No, and I would love somebody to teach me that someday. Because like I said, I have five kids. Three of them are boys. They all play video games, but only one of them became addicted. The other two, you know, enjoy them. But when we ask them to turn them off and come to dinner or, you know, it's bedtime, they have no problem doing that. But the oldest one who got addicted just could not manage to separate himself. And we see that at camp, too. We see one sibling come who's addicted and the other sibling who could care less. And mm -hmm. it's all socioeconomic. It's all racial. It just doesn't seem to matter. It just has to do with the brain chemistry, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah. So then that's another sign, right, is that they have a really hard time transitioning from getting off their game to doing anything if they're addicted? Yeah, very much so. You know, we tell the kids who first arrive at camp, this is not punishment camp, even though they all feel they're being punished for being sent, because none of the kids who come to my program want to be there, you know, which is much different from the traditional summer camps I used to run, where, you know, I'd sign you up for next year before you left this year and sign your little brother and your cousin up. This year, you know, most parents are in denial, first of all. They listen to their teen who promised they'd get their grades up or promised they'd stop gaming so much. And, you know, by April or May, they're looking at summer break and none of those things have happened. And they're starting to panic about what do I do with my kid? And so that's, you know, we do very late registrations for camp because so many parents are in denial. Yeah. What are some other questions that you ask the kids when they get there? I like these questions. Well, we tell them, you know, it's not punishment camp. It's learn to get what you want in life camp. And 20 hours a day on YouTube or 20 hours a day on social media or video games is not how you're going to do it. It's amazing to me, even today, how many kids think that they're going to make a living playing video games or being a YouTube influencer or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we'll show them the stats. We'll show them how it's actually easier to become a professional football player and make a living that way than it is to become a professional gamer or a professional influencer. And it's really just numbers because every kid in the country who plays video games thinks that they're going to be a professional video gamer. You know, there's a much smaller number of kids who actually play football and are good at it who could get into college and then, you know, even smaller number can move on to pro. And those numbers are far greater than the kids who actually become professional gamers. But we also do a financial footprint class with the kids. We ask them, you know, what do you think it costs for you to live? You know, currently somebody else is paying, you know, the mortgage or the rent. And for your clothes and for your phone and for your online services, you know, subscriptions and everything you do, even going to Starbucks, chances are, you know, especially if you're 13, 14, 15, chances are you don't have a job, you don't have your own income and somebody else is paying for that. And every year we end up with a number of between four and $9,000 a month for what it actually costs, what the kids think it costs for them to live. And those numbers aren't really that far off. So. We use that in our third week because it's kind of an aha moment where the kids kind of wake up and realize, oh, damn, I'm not generating that kind of money and I'm going to graduate high school next year or in two years or, you know, go to college and be out on my own. So how am mm -hmm. I going to do that? 
you know, and then we teach them how to cook. We teach them how to do laundry. You know, we teach them a bunch of life skills that they're going to need when they're out of the house. What have you been surprised at, like listening to the kids? Well, like I said, I've been surprised at how many kids take down photos or alter photos. You know, there's a bunch of Facetune. Facetune is one app, but there's a bunch of them that will change your appearance, make your eyes bigger, or your teeth whiter, or, you know, remove blemishes from your face or make you a blonde if you're really a brunette. So I've been very surprised at how important it is to upgrade your appearance for social mm -hmm. media postings, especially. Mm -hmm. I've been very surprised. Well, not so much surprised anymore, but when it first started that how aggressive the gaming companies are. You know, when I was a kid, I went to an arcade with a pocket full of quarters. And when you ran out of quarters, you were done. Mm -hmm. And then video games came into the home, which, you know, made our parents happy because we weren't traveling. But games ended. I remember Mario and you rescued the princess and you actually saw the words the end or game over on your mm -hmm. screen. And you could reload it and play it again and try to beat your high score, I suppose. But the game actually ended. And now the games are connected to the Internet and you have Discord with chat boxes and people playing all over the country. And there's always a new quest that there's never a game over. There's never a mm. the end. Yeah, with the exception of a game like Fortnite, which is a last man standing kind of game. But as soon as that game ends, you go back into the lobby where you have an opportunity to make purchases. And that's where mm -hmm. these kids spend all the money on skins and things. And then you go right back into the game. There is no down. There is no off. So those are some of the most surprising things that I've seen. And the technology is only getting more intense. You know, Apple just came out with their virtual reality goggles. AI is now woven into most of the games, just making them more and more addictive. Mm, goodness. So what are the games that are the most popular right now? Well, it's funny because every time I do a parent conversation, I get asked that question and I get asked to talk about social media. And as soon as I'm done, I will say, and now you can forget everything I said. <laughs> because while we've been talking, six new games came out, three new apps. So it all depends on which kid you're talking about. Fortnite is still really popular, but it's not as popular as it was. And I will tell parents, there is no way you can actually keep up with all the newly released technology, the newly released apps, and the newly released games. The only way to do it is to regularly and continually communicate with your kid. So what can parents do about this? What should they do? Well, so many parents are in denial. And I will tell parents, I hear all the time, shame and embarrassment from parents. So how did I let it get this bad? You know, what a bad parent I am for, for allowing this to happen. And I will tell them, well, yeah, because you're the parent. So, you know, you are to blame. But at the same time, no generation of parents before the current generation has ever been faced with such an onslaught of massive media dumping on your kids through their computers, through their cell phones, you know, through any connected device. So give yourself a little bit of grace. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. Let's start today and move forward. So once they identify that their kid has or might have an addiction problem, the first thing we do at camp and the first thing I recommend parents do is work on the sleep schedule. Every kid should get at least eight hours of sleep a night. We also recommend removing technology from the bedroom. Mm -hmm. you know, when I talk to parents, I'll always say, what do we as parents like at home more than anything else? And I'll advance my you know, PowerPoint slide and I have the word quiet. 
show up. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we all like it quiet because that means everybody's under control. Nothing's happening. No emergencies are going on. And we tell ourselves that, oh, he's up there doing his homework. You know, and he's not up there doing his homework. He has his door closed. He has his earphones on. He's playing a game. You know, he's ignoring his homework. So it does take a little work on the part of the parents to kind of reclaim their authority for, you know, that's a bad word these days, and stop being the pal and start being the parent. So when I talk about removing technology from the bedroom, I mean all of it. You know, most people today use their cell phones as their alarm clock or to play music as they go to sleep. Lose that. You know, mm -hmm. put in an old-fashioned clock radio and put it on the desk or the dresser so it's not right next to the bed. You know, I will have parents take the devices, take the power cords from the computer, take the power cord from the wireless router, and some of them even charge them in their master bedroom, and some of them have gone as far as to do it in the closet of the master bedroom with a padlock. So nobody can get at their device while they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. But then we talk about, you know, good nutrition and regular exercise, you know, there's a whole bunch of things, but parents have to take ownership of what's going on in their home. So what is like a healthy amount of gaming? How much would be healthy? I get that asked all the time. too. <laughs> I'm laughing because there's no good answer to that question because every kid is different. I get asked, you know, at what age is it okay to give my kid Instagram? And my answer is at what age is it okay to expose them to porn? <laughs> because that's what they're going to see. Now, yeah. we tell kids at camp and we tell parents that we're not going to cure your kid from ever being online or ever playing a video game or ever being on social media. You know, that's just not the world we live in. In that way, we are not like a drug or an alcohol addiction program where you know the recommendation is to never touch it again, get a sponsor, go to a 10-step program or whatever. It's more like a healthy eating kind of camp or an eating disorder kind of camp. You have to eat to live. You just don't need to eat 6,000 calories a meal. So it depends on your kid. And to me, gaming should be, you know, or social media time, anything like that should be the add-on extra bonus at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. did they get eight hours of sleep? Did they do a little exercise? Did they make their bed? Did they have breakfast? Maybe you can be on social media on the ride to school. But then your phone should be off while you're at school. And after school, are you doing extracurricular activities? Are you doing a sport? Do you have a part-time job? Are you having a family dinner? You know, mm -hmm. And then maybe you can play gaming for an hour if your homework is done. But gaming should never be the top, you know, on the top mm -hmm. 10 list. Mm, I love that you said that. Because the kids think that it's number one. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is the add-on. And just for parents to not... Forget that it's an add-on. It's a bonus. We had a lady, um, you can't just sign your kid up for camp. You, you, you fill out a survey questionnaire that gets reviewed by our clinical staff, and then they call you back to see if your kid is a good fit for our program. Mm -hmm. And we had one parent who wanted to sign her kid up because he was gaming too much. And then during the conversation, we found out that he was a straight-A student on the debate team, played basketball, had a part-time job, and played video games. Mm -hmm. you know, and we're like, we don't really see a problem. I know that you might see a problem and maybe you can encourage him to do other outside activities, but he's a success story from our standpoint mm -hmm. because of all these other things that he's doing. You just need to involve yourself a little bit more during his gaming time. So I think a proactive strategy for parents is to 
get your kids involved in real world activities. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We totally recommend that. We expose them to a lot of activities when they're at camp, you know, everything from art and guitar to self-defense classes. You know, and we have a lot of kids that have gone on to get gym memberships. I've personally been to three high school plays from kids that enjoyed our improv class so much that they joined their theater group in their high school and then were in a play and invited me to come see it. It's really just a matter of exposing your kid to what's out there. What other questions do you get asked a lot by parents? Well, my favorite question I get asked is, is this program guaranteed? That always makes me laugh because Mm -hmm. I'll say absolutely not. I can guarantee to detox your kid because you're going to send them to me for a month and they won't have their phone or their computer. So they're kind of forced to detox. But, you know, we finish, like I said, with the parent workshop weekend and then we're going to send them home. Now, we follow up with each kid for eight weeks after camp, but it's on the parents to maintain the atmosphere that we've created, you know, the sleep schedule, the healthy eating schedule, and the interest in outside activities when the kid comes home. And that's true of any program, our program, a wilderness program, anything else, anything parents send their kids to, to be quote unquote fixed, you know, the kid is going to come home someday. Mm -hmm. So the parents need to step up and actually do the hard work of maintaining what the kid learned when they were away. Yeah. And I have met with some really great parents and it's exhausting. This work is exhausting because the easy thing, like you said, is to go, oh, things are quiet. He's doing his homework or she's doing her homework so we can get our stuff done. But it takes a lot more work to be strategic about how can we get them to have real live friends? How can we get them involved in school and activities? Because then you have to take them and you're going to be met with resistance and they're going to like, I don't want to. So I will say, parents, it is the harder road, but it is worth it because once they do get involved in a sports team or, you know, musical theater or band or whatever, then you have less of a battle at home. Well, and I would add that it's the harder road right now. Yes. You know, I ask kids at camp, raise your hand if you still want to be living with your parents when you're 25. (laughs) And nobody raises their hand, but nobody is on a path to do anything else. Yeah. So if parents of teenagers or even younger kids today are thinking this is going to be a struggle, how much of a struggle is it going to be when your kid is 22, dropped out of college because he'd rather do gaming, has no skills, no job prospects, no social life to say other than online, and they're still living at home with you. So how often does that happen? It happens quite a lot, unfortunately. You know, mm-hmm. our, our program is really small and it only takes so many kids a year. But there's, you know, therapeutic boarding schools and residential programs and all, you know, there's other kinds of options that are way more expensive. But to parents that don't take advantage of any of those things, it's a very common occurrence. There's more kids living at home between 18 and 30 now than any time previously in the country's history. What other advice would you give parents? You know, not all parents are going to send kids to your camp. So what are some helpful hints for those parents? Well, it's funny because I get asked, you know, what can I do? And so many parents, kind of like you said, want to um, find a way to send their kids somewhere to get them, quote unquote, fixed and cured of this situation. And there are options. I think they're kind of expensive options. There's, you know, residential treatment centers, therapeutic boarding schools and wilderness programs. Our program is pretty cheap from a therapeutic standpoint. It's pretty expensive from a summer camp standpoint. 
But we also just created an online course that parents can do that's very affordable. It's kind of a virtual summer camp that you can do at home. It would take about six or seven weeks to complete it if you really did all the work. It's really a matter of getting them to do the work. We had one parent, because I will say you need to learn who the parents of your kids' friends are. And I actually had one parent say, well, my kid's best friend at school is a Chinese and his parents only speak Mandarin and I don't speak Chinese. And that was her excuse for not reaching out and communicating with her child's best friend's parents. So I pulled my phone out. I opened up Google Translate. I said, I spent a month in China. I don't speak Mandarin. It's not going to be perfect, but you can certainly initiate a communication. And my guess is also that if their kids go to school in the U.S., they must understand at least some English. And the mother was just not willing to put out the work. Now, another thing I will say that I've noticed, especially with my teenage kids, is friendships today are not what they used to be. You know, they're so shallow and they're so based on what was popular on social media today, Mm. which might not be popular tomorrow. So your friend group changes all the time. You know, I had, you know, two or three really good friends in high school who are still my friends today, 30 years later. And I don't see that happening with my teenagers. You know, their, their best friends today are somebody they don't speak to next week and then they're best friends again and it's just it's all based on perceptions of online interactions yeah so i have another question with girls how would you know that there's technology addiction well it's very similar to the behaviors that we discussed for gamers because it's really across the board technology addiction if they are withdrawn if they're in their rooms with the doors closed if they're on their phones all the time if they're skipping meals not involved in family activities or family meal times because whatever's happening on their phone is more important. Girls we notice are dressing, I call it inappropriately because I'm that generation, but that's what all their friends are doing on social media. And it's like the more body, the more skin you can show, the better. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that became popular, but you can kind of tell the girls are being influenced by social media versus the girls that aren't. Yeah. And I would add that girls, if you see your girls getting depressed or anxious, it starts to affect the girls emotionally because I see a lot of girls in my practice that are affected. Like you're saying about selfies. I think selfies are more of a question. You put a selfie picture out there and the question is, how do I look? How do I measure up? Exactly. So I think if it's affecting their mood, if they're wanting to isolate, if they start cutting, those would be signs that they could be addicted to that. Yeah, absolutely. We get girls who have been cutting at camp. Mm -hmm. How would you advise parents to talk to their teens if they think that their teens are on social media or they're gaming too much? What should they say? I advise all the parents I work with to actually have an open, non-judgmental communication with their kid. And sometimes to start with an apology, meaning, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was getting this bad, you know, because we didn't have this, you know, I tell parents to give themselves some grace all the time because we didn't have this growing up. If we wanted to hang out with our friends, we had to go to our friend's house. So Start with communicating. And for you know a gaming kid, I will recommend that the parent sit and watch or maybe even create a character and play the game with their kid. Mm-hmm. They might think it's the stupidest, biggest waste of time <laughs> in the world. But to their kid, it's really, really important. 
And same thing with social media. I will suggest that parents sit with their girls, mostly girls, who are on social media and have them show you what they're doing, who their friends are, what they're commenting on, who's commenting on them. You know, so many teenagers will be resistant at first because Mm -hmm. they fear the judgment. But, you know, I'll tell parents not to be judgy at all. You're just learning about what drives your kids, what your kids find important. And so look at everything that they're doing, everything they're agreeing to share with you, and then thank them and walk out. And then the next day, do it again. Get them used to you checking in with them. Mm -hmm. There are some apps that we warn parents about that are what I call fake apps. Like there's a calculator app that looks like a calculator, but it hides your Instagram login. Oh, really? So yeah. So if a parent asks a teen to you know show me your Instagram, and they have to log on, that's not their Instagram. Mm. You know, because they're actually logging into their fake account to show you the rainbows and puppies and all the happiness that they <laughs> you know are doing, and it's not their real Instagram. They might have it hidden under a fake calculator. Wow. Yeah, but like <laughs> I said, now that I've said that, there's probably six more apps that have come out to, to cover up. So it's really about non-judgmental open communication with your kid. Yeah, and that could be watching a TikTok video and they want to show you something and they think it's funny and you might think it's stupid, you still watch it. Yeah, I tell parents all the time, stop being the pal and start being the parent. But this is one area where I would say it's okay to act like the pal because you don't want to be the judgmental parent when you're trying to get to the bottom of your kid's technology addiction. Yeah, and I think being curious, asking open-ended questions about any of it, being curious. And I think one of my guests I thought was so helpful is they wrote a book called Behind Their Screens and was thinking about, especially for girls, is it's not just being on social media. It's like all the relationship stuff happens online. It's about their friends. It's about the drama. It's about belonging. It's about rejection. So all of that's happening. So if you're just in there, like you just time to get off the phone now, and you're not curious, you don't know what's really going on relationally with your teen. Right, exactly. And, you know, there's also a big push for uh, understanding cortisol and dopamine and mm-hmm. how they work in the brain. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Kimmel, the nighttime talk show guy, actually did a series where he asked people to video their kids playing Fortnite and have the parent turn off the game halfway through. And all the kids lost their minds. You know, they're screaming and yelling and cursing, and some of them are becoming violent. And it's because their cortisol levels are so high. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we recommend 30 minutes to an hour of, you know, this is a good time to use your cell phone with an alarm clock to let your kid know, you know, okay, the alarm just went off. I got 15 minutes left. Okay, the alarm went off. I got 10 minutes left. Okay, the alarm went off. I got five minutes left. So it should help them self-regulate when it's time to come off that high and know that it's time to turn the game off. So here's a question for you. I mean, how do you coach teens to make that transition from a game or social media into a real world activity? Well, like I say, we expose them to a ton of different real world activities. And it's funny because like I said, none of them want to be at our program when well, they first but I'm arrive. Just saying, I'm saying more like in a home, like how a parent could talk to a teen, because I hear that all the time, is you need to get off your game now. And then they go ballistic or off your phone now and they go ballistic. How could a parent coach them in terms of transitions? Well, the parent has to be involved, especially if the kid doesn't drive. 
Mm-hmm. So if it's time to get off your phone and go to basketball practice and the parent needs to take them to basketball practice, then the parent has to be ready to be engaged and, and make that journey. So it's more than you know, the biggest challenge I think we have, not just at camp, but in general today, is parents looking for the easy way out. And there is no easy way out. That's what I tell parents all the time, that it doesn't exist. So if you want your kid to have a healthy teenage life and be ready for young adulthood, you have to be engaged every day with them to help them make these good choices. Yeah. And I would add, because you talked about self-regulate, I think that we also have to be teaching them, like you said, the 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes but also helping them say, you know, you're pretty agitated after that game, you know, doing the gaming. Maybe you could go outside and jump on the trampoline. You could go running, do some exercise because before you start studying, helping them think of something really concrete they could do to bring themselves back down. Oh, absolutely. We do hikes, we do yoga, we do stretching and physical fitness every day at camp to kind of give them those tools that they'll have something to do. Yeah. All right. So any last advice for the moms listening? No, not really. I mean, I would say that you can visit our website, which is resetsummercamp.com. You can click on the online course at the top of the page. And that course actually takes you through all the steps that we do at camp to get your kids detoxed and on the right track. But, you know, my only advice is to communicate with your kids in a non-judgmental way, even if they're, you know, totally addicted. You know, we have kids that mom says it's dinner time and they call mom a bitch and slam the door. And that's the life that they have. And I'm like, if that's not the life you want, you need to be the adult, be the parent, open up the lines of communication in a non-judgmental way and start working with your kids. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. It was fun to be part of your show. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning best-selling books, Gow Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.